And today we're delighted to be joined by NBA legend John Stockton. He has a podcast that you can get through through a link that Caleb set up, uh, drdrew.com slash Stockton. It's called Voices for Medical Freedom. He's concerned about the overreach, particularly of the government, into our health care, and uh, it's an interesting topic for sure. He does it with a former NFL offensive player. Uh, dropping suddenly is something that uh, Stockton, Mr. Stockton and John has been very, very concerned about, and uh, I'd love to hear what his thoughts are on this. Again, if you want to hear more about his podcast, it's drdrew.com forward slash Stockton, S-T-O-C-K-T-O-N. And uh, I'll bring Dr. Kelly Victory in here after a couple of minutes, and we'll be right with it. Let's get to it. Our laws, as it pertains to substances, are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic. Because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin, ridiculous I'm a, I'm a doctor for <laughs> sake. Where the hell you think I learned that? I'm just saying, you go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. If you have trouble, you can't stop and you want to help stop it. I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. I think everyone knows the next medical crisis could be just around the corner, whether it comes in the form of another pandemic or something much more routine like a tick bite. You and your family need to be prepared. That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their physicians on like Dr. McCullough frequently. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals you can trust. And their new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy. It's really, it's a safety net. It's an insurance policy yeah, absolutely. that you hope you're not going to need, but if you need it, you sure as heck are going to wish you had it if you need it. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin, z -Pak. The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all these life-saving medications. From anthrax to tick bites, to COVID-19, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured, knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to help you and your family stay safe from whatever life throws at you next. Go to drdrew.com slash TWC. That is drdrew.com forward slash TWC to get 10% off today. Just click on that link. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And welcome back. As I said, we have the NBA legend John Stockton joining us today. He is, uh, of course, played for the Utah Jazz, a ten-time NBA All-Star, regarded as one of the regarded as one of the greatest uh, point guards of all time. Uh, John, as I said, has a podcast you can get through to at drdrew.com forward slash Stockton. And he was part of the dream team back in the uh, 1992 USA Men's Olympic basketball team. So please welcome John Stockton. There you are, John. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Drew. Thanks for inviting me. So t tell us how you got into this. I, I want to hear sort of your story. And I know Dr. Victory has heard it, but most of us may not be aware. So how, how you, you became concerned and what you're sort of thinking these days. 
Well, it goes way back for me. I mean, when I started uh, playing in the NBA with the Utah Jazz, I came across actually a chiropractor, Craig Bueller, uh, who who I resisted. I kind of grew up in the medical world. My mom was a nurse, my sister was a nurse, and I didn't think chiropractors had much to offer. But over time, he really kind of proved me. Fixed, he fixed my sprained ankles, pulled hamstrings, sniffles, whatever. Uh, always not using drugs. And and one of his suggestions uh, was, hey, you maybe want to. As we started having children, my family, my wife, and I. Maybe you want to think about not having vaccines. And I thought he was out of his mind. We continued to to follow the schedule until uh, one of our children w- was sick uh, from the shots and never got unsick and was awful. And we, we didn't really tie it to the shots until the four-year shots where it was obvious. Shots came. He was sick immediately. Oh, okay, maybe he's on to something. So I was a slow learner. It took me a while. It took my wife and I a while to do that. And then we paid attention. Then we've been reading and studying since on the topic and, and really my biggest regret is that that I, I kicked it down the road for a long time and i've had friends now that have had children that have had issues um certainly uh, vaccine related and i didn't say something you know 35 years ago when i started learning about it so um that's that's my story getting to this and then COVID hits i felt prepared i, I mean there was nothing about it that was new scare the heck out of you they lie about the results tell you things have been debunked um, the injuries that are caused, and and then they take credit for things that don't happen. They say, "Well, it saved all these lives." It didn't. And uh, there's there's numerous incidences of that all the way back to polio, um, which is I can't think everybody's gold standard of a vaccine where where everybody thinks that it saved us from polio. And Jonas Salk, who invented it, even said it didn't. Said it was the end of DDT is what saved us from polio. And this vaccine was introduced after the graph had fallen anyway so um you know that's that's kind of the story of it and that's what i'm sticking and and what is your podcast about now well it's about medical freedom largely because of COVID and 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 the intrusion on that we were really into people being able to choose what goes into their own bodies as athletes that's kind of where it started ken's a tremendous athlete green bay packer hall of famer offensive lineman and and uh we think people should have the right to say what goes into our body. Heck, it's our it's our vessel. Uh, if you're an athlete, you succeed or fail based on on the health of your body. And so, uh, giving up that right for any reason is absurd. Do you think you have any obligation to? Let's say there is some ability to protect other people with uh, vaccines or some therapy like that. Or do are you under any obligation to protect others? I think we're all we're citizens. We all have obligations to our fellow citizens. But does that involve putting something first of all experimental? It doesn't matter whether it is or not. As far as my point of view, um, I should never have to put something into my body to protect somebody else. It's uh, this is mine. Okay. And uh, nobody has the right to intervene. And I don't know why that's uh, been such a hard thing for people to hold on to. The, the the hard thing being that you have no obligation to take somebody something for someone else to put you at risk. Absolutely, a, a, a drug's a great example. I mean, these are chemicals. Uh, yeah, you, there's a lot of obligations in a society. You can't cross the yellow line when you're driving. You can't do a lot of things for the protection of others. But but your body's your temple, and um, you get to choose what goes in it or on it. Frankly, and so are, do you object to all vaccines, everything? I'd say, yeah, at this point, I mean, the, the COVID has, has peeled the curtain back. And um, when you start looking at and you take the rose colored glasses off and you say, okay, which ones have been effective? I think every vaccine, particularly the ones on the schedule, 
have uh, very questionable safety protocol safety histories um whether they've helped or not i, I like to use the flu shot as an example uh we were told and that we should take those when i was playing and, um that it's going to keep you from getting the flu uh you find out that it doesn't it certainly didn't for me i i went i ended up spending some time in a charlotte hospital with i guess it was the flu after i'd had the flu shot and um so I don't believe it works. I watched it with my dad. My my dad was 85 years old. We, everybody insists that you protect old people with the shot. They don't realize there's there's mercury in that shot. Unless you're pretty crafty about how you get your supply, there's mercury, aluminum, formaldehyde, neomycin. God knows what else is in there. And these are all chemicals that are being put into our body, and they they disrupt, if not ruin, our immune system. So, yeah, I think I am against all all vaccines. I know I wouldn't take another one. What what for instance? What about a uh you know, a military recruit or a college a student going off to live in dorms where meningococcus circulates around and kills people within a couple of hours. What about taking, and you're 19, what about taking a meningococcal vaccine? If you take the vaccine and you think it works, good for you. Why do you need, why does it matter what I do? I have, the, I have freedom to say what goes into my own body. So they can't tell you it works. It doesn't. Uh, they can't no, tell no, you it's 100%. We went through that whole drip deal with the mumps vaccine and with my daughter in school. So when I said, okay, well, we'll sign a waiver saying you don't have to worry about us. They said, no, you don't understand. You're making other people at risk. I said, why? They had the shot, their shot, they're, they're risk-free. So why do they care what I do? But it didn't matter. They said, no, it's only 80% effective. Well, if it's only 80% right. effective, then why do we end up? Why does anybody have to take it? There is no guarantees anyway. So, um, Right. Yeah, I, I don't. I think you get far more injury by introducing chemicals than you ever do protection by far. So again, the the thought is you you know the, the sort of herd immunity theory that you get people around the individual mostly vaccinated. You only have to get a certain percentage up to kind of protect each other. You know, and the question then becomes, what's the risk reward? Right? Uh, like with everything in medicine, we don't do anything that doesn't have risk. I mean. If you have your, you know, if you get, uh, you know, you get a sudden appendicitis, let's say, and you need your appendix out, you're going to need some chemicals. You're going to take them. <laughs> you're you're going to take some anesthesia. You're going to take some antibiotics. You're going to take some, maybe some painkillers afterwards, and it's going to save your life. That's worth the risk, right? Well, I think you get to make that. That's the beauty of America. Well, it's beauty of the free world you get to make that choice uh you can take the right, risks and right. that came up quite a bit right. with covid right right where do you think the overreach is coming from wow i wish i was smart enough to know that i, I certainly governmental um the the our government the cdc the fda the na naiah i mean anything with initials um they've all promised you know safe and effective through all this, uh, and they continue to do so in 2023, even though the evidence is overwhelming, the damage that's being done by these shots, um, they continue to claim it's it's safety and effectiveness. And, and um, the the Pfizer report, would, would you, the one they tried to hide for 75 years, even yeah, tells you they're 12, yeah. 1,200 deaths in the first three months. Would, so would you know, agree that? Would you agree that overreach is not limited to vaccine therapy? I mean, for instance, you know, doctors are employees now and they're very much dictated what they can do and can't do. And there are insurance companies that dictate what they can and can't do. There are, I mean, there's, there's overreach. There's, you know, regulatory agencies that 
look over the shoulder are, are you are you concerned about all of those those areas absolutely yeah standard of care um standard care i mean I, listen a lot of my tremendous friends are doctors nurses things they are handcuffed by the standard of care if you come in with a sniffle yeah. especially oh. during COVID, there's a standard of care there's a protocol they must employ or they're risking their license their livelihood their ability to feed their family so so yeah right. where does where does that that chain end i don't I don't know, but it's right. uh, it's up their ways, right? So that that's concerning. That there, there there's I, I mean I like the notion of medical freedom, which is really the 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 name of your podcast, right? Voices for Medical Freedom. Have you interviewed anybody interesting that really caught your attention uh, in that in the pod? It's been one of the blessings of my life, frankly, the people that I've had a chance to meet and talk with. So there's been many, many. We have frontline nurses. We spoke with some frontline nurses who did everything according to the schedule and then started seeing the damage and spoke out. Uh, we talked to Naomi Wolf, who who went through the Pfizer doc documents and and basically laid out that they knew all this stuff before before they ever released it on the public. And so to me, what kind of what kind of evil is that 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 uh, you can know this damage and go ahead and not just not just put it out there and say, hey, buyer, beware. You're putting it out there and saying you have to take this shot or you can't work or you can't go to school or you can't, et cetera. Uh, yeah, there's Ed Dowd, who who best-selling author. He he wrote the book, was it Cause Unknown, where he literally puts the names, faces, death certificates of all these these young people who have died following the vaccine and and, and yeah there's been one after the other great people great people to listen to do, do you particularly get concerned about the uh, athletes that seem to be having sort of an extraordinary incident of issues for the first time that i'm aware of at least professional athletes mm -hmm. Yeah, no more so because they're athletes, but they're such an incredible indicator. So athletes, prime of their life, incredible physical shape. They have people, doctors, you know, weight trainers. They have all these resources at their disposal to be in tip-top shape, and they're dropping dead on the field. I mean, what there's there was up to I think three months ago. I don't know what number it takes for people to to find that's enough, but there was was eleven hundred deaths of athletes it's like a 27 times any time in history increase since the rollout and uh, it's it's definable they're they're all vaccinated and so with that in mind you you have to say well at least let's look at it and why isn't the cdc the fda all the guys with initials why aren't they all saying wow did you say 1100 deaths since the shots why isn't there just a hue and cry out there saying we need to investigate this at minimum and you're not well, let's do this. I know you and Dr. Victory spoke at a, a conference together. I'm going to get her in here sooner than later so we can hear about the conference, what you guys did and talked about. So we're going to take a little break here. Uh, and as I said before, you can go to John's uh, podcast at drdrew.com forward slash Stockton, S-T-O-C-K-T-O-N, Stockton. And uh, we'll take a little break. We'll be right back with more John Stockton and bring in Dr. Kelly Victory. Fall is right around the corner, which means dry, flaky red skin from allergy season is coming with it. But the best way to take care of your skin is with our skincare secret, Genucel. You don't need to worry about that puffy, tired eye look or those annoying dark spots or even dry flaky skin because Genucel skincare has you covered. Susan and I love our Genucel products so much, we want you to try our personally curated skincare bundles. 
It's risk-free at GenuCell.com slash Drew. GenuCell works so well, you can see the results in this unplanned live moment on our show when the Redness Repair Cream repaired my skin in just minutes right before your eyes. Their concentrated vitamin C serum helps keep your skin plump and hydrated. Plus, with their immediate effects, you can see astonishing results in under 12 hours. Quick, effective, and easy. Go to GenuCell.com slash Drew right now to try our bundles and save over 60% today. And remember to enroll in GenuCell's world-class concierge program for additional savings and free shipping. Don't wait. It's GenuCell.com slash Drew. G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com slash D-R-E-W. These products have transformed my life and Susan's and saved her marriage. Discover the key to oral hygiene, regardless of your current daily dental routine. Whether you diligently brush and floss multiple times a day, or you struggle, you got bleeding gums, bad breath, plaque buildup, this revelation is for both of you. Surprisingly, over 350,000 Americans experience health issues that may be connected to their toothbrush or even caused by it, ranging from heart or blood sugar problems, forgetfulness, digestive difficulties, immune issues, all related to oral hygiene. Scientific studies have shown that a simple switch of your toothbrush can lead to a healthier teeth and potentially save your marriage. Yes, save your marriage. Our study, we did a personal study. My wife, Susan, hates the sound of the sonic toothbrushes, but introducing the real white sonic toothbrush, of course, also their hydroxyapatite dirty mouth mineral toothpaste by Primal Life Organics, these products have transformed my life and Susan's and save her marriage. It's much quieter. It's a very powerful toothbrush, but it is quiet and it saved our marriage. So the real white sonic toothbrush from Primal Life Organics stands out among all other electric toothbrushes I've tried. It effectively eliminates plaque, harmful bacteria, promotes gum health. Get yours and enjoy 60% off at naturaltoothbrush.com slash DREW. Some platforms have banned the discussion of controversial topics. If this episode ends here, the rest of the show is available at drdrew.tv. There's nothing in medicine that doesn't boil down to a risk-benefit calculation. It is the mandate public health to consider the impact of any particular mitigation scheme on the entire population. This is uncharted territory, Drew. Welcome, Dr. Kelly Victory. Hey, John, great to see you again, and uh, thank you for, okay. for being here. Um, as Drew was just mentioning be before the break, you and I just spoke relatively recently uh, at a medical freedom conference up in Spokane, Washington. Um, it, it came at a time what was not particularly convenient for me. I have a lot of other things going on, but I cannot tell you how glad I was that I went because it it sort of reassured me about the uh, the future of, of medicine and our specialty. Uh, to be clear, the people who were there represented um, you were one of the only non-medical non people. It was nurses, nurse practitioners, pharmacists, physical therapists, and certainly physicians, all of whom have uh, really put a stake in the ground with regard to this concept of medical freedom. Many of them have left their practices or been fired. Uh, many of them have stopped taking medical insurance of all sorts, and they are on a cash-only uh, basis. Uh, many of them have suffered, like I have, the slings and arrows of derision and cancel culture uh, during this process. Um, 
so I want to get into the weeds with you specifically about the vaccines and your experience with that and what you're seeing in athletes. But before I do, let's really revisit this concept, the sorts of things you were mentioning with regard to um, the intrusions on medical freedom and why that happened. It certainly long predates COVID. Um, this, you know, COVID brought it perhaps really fully into the daylight. But this has been a long process that's happened in healthcare. Um, so talk a little bit about that, and then we'll we'll get into the weeds on the the vaccines. Well, I'm certainly no expert on it. I've, I've I've read a lot, and you know, you go all the way back to early 1900s when every doctor was maybe called a naturopath by today's standards or something like that. They used herbs, they used local remedies, they used whatever, and they'd go visit. And then some wealthy guys, and it was Carnegie and Rockefeller. Um, wanted to standardize care. It doesn't sound like a terrible idea. If you can get same care in Spokane, Washington that you can get in Florida, that's a pretty good sign if it's good stuff. But, it, but it, what it does is it gets to where there's only one way of looking at things. Um, and that's the medical allopathic way. And that involves drugs every time and surgeries and things that I'd like to avoid. And so, um, you know, I think there needs to be an, an insurance only pays for those. You know, you try to get chiropractic care, naturopathic care, acupuncture care, uh, depending on what your beliefs are, what's worked for you in the past. It's very difficult to have that even playing field where a person can go and look, I want my health and acupuncture, I think will work well, too bad. We won't pay for that, but we'll pay the $500 for that drug, if you would like. Mm -hmm. So that balance, that playing field's off. And that's back to the standard of care stuff we talked about with Drew. No, there's no question. And I, I spoke about that quite a bit, this issue uh, that we have uh, rid the entire profession of, of healthcare, of medicine, of critical thinking, because it's become entirely algorithmic and based on, you know, drop down boxes. And, you know, the electronic medical record in, in my mind is fundamentally a, a billing template that captures some incidental pieces of clinical information. It's really all based on what's good for the insurance companies and good for the pharmaceutical companies. Um, um, with regard to vaccines, I was certainly never an anti-vaxxer. Um, I uh, frankly was very pro-vaccine. I'm one of the most highly vaccinated people I know. But like you, uh, it took me a bit longer. It really wasn't until closer to this COVID that I um, started to realize um, that we'd been sold a bill of goods. That a lot of the quote science that we were told was was you know fast you know tried and true. I would I, I was one of those people by the way who would have sworn that the polio vaccine actually uh, saved us from polio. So uh, I wear that you know I, I'm honest about that. I really didn't understand until the last probably five years a lot of the the junk science. Um, you saw it earlier. Now fast forward to COVID. Here you are, and um, you know. It's the first time in my life that we talked about mandating uh, vaccines. Talk a little bit about what you started seeing in the ranks of professional athletes, what their response was. Was it just, you know, are, are they just, you know, try, trained to roll up their sleeve or do whatever they're told? Or was there any pushback? Well, there's certainly pushback, but it was quiet. And if it wasn't quiet, then if a person were, were to speak out, they'd get lashed out a little bit or wouldn't even get out on the mainstream media. You clearly, mainstream media has no intention of, of putting the facts out on this. And so it has to be done through podcasts and, and things like the Dr. Drew show. Uh, so players 
and I had to take myself back you know, for almost 40 years now and say, what would I have done if I was in this situation? I think right. you have such faith in your doctors and you have such faith that they want this team to be successful and they want you to be successful that if they say, go ahead and do it, you're kind of going to do it. And, I, and I, I can bear that out because I took the flu shot for my first five years. And uh, it's it, it takes... For me, you had to beat me over the head with it for a long time, and I had to end, spend some time in a hospital, like I said, in Charlotte, just to kind of say, well, maybe there's something else to look into. I wasn't, I wasn't saying it was wrong, but it was worth checking into. And then their, their own, just like the, the commercials, our own doctors would, would kind of confirm the suspicion. They said, well, you want to get the shot closer to December in the real flu season because it only lasts for about 30 days. Oh, okay, well, it only lasts about 30 days. Why am I taking it in September? And, you know, you hear the your commercials and they say, well, it's going to impair your ability to fight off infection. Almost every drug, the disclaimer on, if we just listen to these plethora of, of commercials out there for vaccines and drugs, they'll tell you that they're harmful. They'll tell you that it impacts your immune system and that there's a better way to do it. You just got to listen more closely. You were a supporter, as I recall, of Kyrie Irving's when you know he was relatively vocal about saying that he didn't think the vaccine was right for him. And, and it's I I'm guessing that he never took one, although I, I don't know if he somehow got um, pushed into it. What was your experience with Kyrie? No, I don't know Kyrie. I've never met him, um, seen him play, obviously. And, and I've heard of his, of his comments. I mean, he sat out half a season, uh, maybe more that the NBA technically did not. Um, mandate shots however they deferred to local authorities like if, if you if you wanted to join their team and you said i'm not doing the shot well okay you can't play in la you can't play in new york you can't play in all these municipalities that have that have said you can't be here without the shots and so mm -hmm. uh it was kind of a de facto mandate and uh you saw with novak djokovic i mean he's like muhammad ali to right. me right now where he gave up literally in the prime of his career, he might be the greatest tennis player of all time. And he gave mm -hmm. up two of his best years because he believes you don't have the right to put what's in my body. And so, uh, you know, these guys are putting their, their money where their mouths are and uh, others are more quiet. No, and as you as you know, I, I am a big. I spoke about it at the conference. This issue of you know the the pillars of medical ethics, the first of which is autonomy, uh, and that the patient always has the sovereign right uh, to make a decision uh, about what he or she puts into their bodies. And so, I, I uh, we have jettisoned this concept of of medical autonomy certainly during the COVID era, and I, I think it's tragic. Um, if you look at the you know, let's look at the. Uh, obvious sort of, you know, died suddenly or drop dead people who are dropping. Um, you know, we had both, you know, Damar Hamlin and uh, Bronny James um, both have, you know, critical events that were very, very public. Certainly thousands of others did it behind the scenes or not so well publicized. But talk a little bit, you know, I'd said with Bronny James, they came back and said, um, oh, lo and behold, he's got some previously undiagnosed congenital heart problem. It was my understanding that prior to being, you know, hired on by by you know the league or by a particular team, you go through. Don't you go through a relatively extensive uh, physical workup uh, before they, you know, let you sign a multi bazillion dollar contract? Well, just to clear things up, when I was starting, they weren't built at multi gazillion dollar contracts. <laughs> um, but yeah, what you do, you go in there, and it is pretty extensive. But I, but it was, it's not nearly extensive enough with the potential for myocarditis, which is one of the 
things they discovered in the Pfizer report way before they rolled it out. They discovered in, in the actual tests, which are human tests for us. Uh, so they know it exists. There's no dodging. Dr. McCullough does a great, does a great session on that whole thing where you, you, you can't argue it. And with that, that's a scarring of the heart and it's in a hard spot to see. And I, my understanding is not being a doctor or a, um, radiologist in any way, but my understanding is the only way you can pick up on that is is an MRI. There's another there's another person that claims they do other stuff, but all I've heard is the MRI. So um, clearly would be missed, would be missed a lot, and uh, you know that's the beauty of it. For if you're the if you're the vaccine companies, the beauty of it is you have plausible deniability. You know, show me how we did right. this. Well, I think, you know, and we now know that the FDA uh, mandated that Moderna run a study uh, specifically looking at asymptomatic myocarditis. You know, myocarditis, inflammation of the heart muscle, when it's symptomatic, we know you have chest pain or shortness of breath or you develop exercise intolerance as some clues. But the big concern, and I'm sure, you know, uh, Dr. McCullough talks about this, is the vast number of people who have what we call asymptomatic myocarditis, meaning they have inflammation in the heart muscle, but they don't have any clinical signs of it. So they don't know. And for many of those people, the first symptom is going to be sudden cardiac arrest. Uh, you know, their first symptom is going to be found, you know, being found dead in bed by their parents uh, in the morning. So uh, Moderna was required to do this study. We know that they have shared the results of the study with the FDA, but the FDA has refused to release the results. And they're saying, you know, if you want to see them, you have to, uh, you know, file a FOIA demand. Uh, so th there's only one reason, that, you know, you and I can both guess what the reason is that they are uh, not being willing to, to release those findings. Um, and then with regard to the you know, this myth, and I'm sure you hear it all the time, people will say, oh, athletes have always, you know, had sudden death or died, you know, dropped on the field. It's just we didn't report on it before. And we know that that isn't true based on, you know, a huge study that was done by the International Olympic Committee years ago, way pre-COVID. Um, and prior to the COVID shots, the number of uh, died suddenly was in, in, sort of uh, professional level athletes, Olympic level athletes, was somewhere in the range of 29 per year. And you were rattling off the number, you know, how many, what, what's your understanding of the current number of uh, athlete deaths so far since the rollout? Probably three or four months ago, it was 1,100. And, yeah. and that's, you know, I, I haven't, I, I don't see any need to go back and trace over that and find out, I mean, it's tragedies to each individual family, their, their wives, their husbands, or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, tragic but it's how many do we need so i don't go back and look anymore is it now 1400 is it 2000 i don't know but i think 1100 is enough yeah yeah uh what, what's your insight into the, what, the conversation that goes on in the locker rooms or behind closed doors with athletes you know when a damar hamlin uh, fundamentally dies on national television, uh, brought back, thankfully, when, when Ronnie James has whatever his event. What's the conversation in the locker room? Well, I think it would be, I think it'd be pretty quiet. I don't think guys would want to talk about it out loud. It's, uh, I mean, you think about it. If, if, if you did do the shots, you're, it's, it's basically Russian roulette. You don't know when that, when that's, it's going to be your turn. Um, I don't know if, I don't know if I took it, if I could ever feel comfortable working out again, you know, is, is this the day now athletes do a great job of overcoming that. 
overcoming fear, overcoming what happens at their house the day before on the way to the game, whatever. So you can't compartmentalize it and go play your game and thank goodness. But uh, it's got to be in the back of almost everybody's mind if, if they've gotten the information. That's a big if, though. Right. Right. What's, um, you know, where I know you've been talking with uh, Dr. McCullough again about this in terms of how the league, how the, whether it's the NBA or the NFL, you know, what their obligation is, you know, what sort of traction, if any, are you getting with the, the leagues um, in acknowledging that they potentially were participant in putting previously young, healthy Uber athletes at risk by, uh, whether they mandated it or, you know, if there's a, there's a, a level of coercion, if not a mandate, uh, there certainly is a level of co coercion. Well, you know, what's their, um, you know, the, their tolerance for addressing it? That's a great question. Uh, we've had conversations with them. We've had conversations with players associations in many leagues, uh, trying to get them to see the data first, see the anecdotal information, see the common sense. You know, there's a, there's a mosaic that you can go through that kind of you know proves the dangers of these shots but you know some of them there was one of the players association is, is on record for receiving money to promote the the vaccine so um it's it's there there's a lot of tentacles involved and it's hard to say whether they'll bite into it or not now we've offered to try to uh, get that information out to have personal conversations with the athletes We'll see how it goes. I don't get to sit in on the meetings when they discuss whether it's going to happen. But I, one of the things was mentioned was that even though they're not mandating, they're still, for the example, the NBA is still recommending these shots. And I'm saying, well, consider we know that these cause damage by their own admission. So I, you don't have to be a granola guy to say that you know this causes damage. They have their own proof that says it. You're recommending shots for a disease that's extinct for people that weren't at risk of dying from the shot in the first dying from the disease in the first place you're recommending that without the protection of the emergency use authorization that the government had in place during the covid crisis so you know, my purpose with them is to try to protect them i i, I want to leave was special to me and it still is and i want to stay that way but uh it's i think they're they're hanging out there a little bit by recommending something that can be harmful yeah, and so I, I think I was ranting at the end of the show yesterday and said that it, it's my my belief that anyone who is uh, mandating these, whether it's for, for players or for students to attend your university or for employees, really you are obligated as the employer or the league or the, or the university, I think, to pay for and to oversee whatever workup needs to happen to assure that somebody does not have at a minimum at a minimum, subclinical myocarditis. In other words, that would mean that everybody would be in line for a cardiac MRI. Um, have you had that level of granular discussion with the league that, you know, what they might do to screen people? Not specifically with the league. We've had that discussion. Again, going back to my athletic days, if I had taken the shot and I was there and I had a potential for that and that, and that one test could prove to be the end of my career if I end up having myocarditis and they said, look, you don't dare play. We can't let you play. I'm not taking the test. It's, yeah. it's subjecting yourselves to these tests, which are part of the problem. We had, to, we had to test for PCR, which we know wasn't an effective test for COVID in the first place. It was 60 to 80% false positives. So, but it was invasive. It's all the way up in your sinuses, almost in your brain. 
And we, we acknowledge then that the results of that test are what we live by. I, I, I don't think they have the right to test us either. In fact, I know they don't. It's, it's said so in our own laws and in the Nuremberg Code that was put into place after World War II. So it's, um, it's kind of a mess, Kelly, to be honest. So, so you think, wait, just be, you said something that hadn't occurred to me. So you're saying that it's not just whether even if the league were to say, okay, yes, we'll, we'll happily pay for a cardiac MRI, that the players themselves might not want to take it because if it was came positive, they, they may, they might be benched. Is that, yeah. is that what you're saying? That the, that the, the players themselves are re reticent to, uh, to have the test done. Exactly. Well, I, I take it back and here, here's where my suspicions are. But I was in the Olympics as Drew mentioned, and we get through with the, the semifinal game and everybody's kind of celebrating. We're going to go play for the gold medal guy taps me on the shoulder says we need a urine sample and i go okay it it happens you know you get urine samples all the time and and you're never worried about it. i don't don't do drugs i've never done drugs so that's a pretty easy call but then you're sitting in that waiting room waiting to do it and you say you know what all it take is one false answer one right. manipulated test one anything mm -hmm. in that little lab which i have no control of these are nameless faceless people who are all professionals i'm sure they did great and right. my career, my reputation, USA basketball, the Olympic gold medal, everything just evaporates in a, in a blink. And so from that point forward, I've been suspicious of testing. I, do I want to volunteer for a test? I don't think so. Not for anything. Because that then gives people power over you that, that, and they get to be the judge and the jury and the executioner based on the results of the test. Pretty scary stuff. It was, I know I was scared sitting in that room. Well, it's it's terrifying because, uh, John, that's exactly what we are seeing amongst pilots. I have quite a few personal friends who are former um, fighter pilots, uh, Air Force fighter pilots who now fly commercially, uh, and they have talked about that, that they don't want to have these tests done because it will end their flying career, potentially. They will never fly again if it's determined that they have uh, subclinical myocarditis or some other vaccine related problem. They all got vaccinated because they're in the military and now they're suffering the, uh, the side effects of that. But it's, you know, they, it's not that the, uh, airlines wouldn't give them the tests it's that they don't, they don't want to know. Um, I, I was interested in, in the, um, the league's sort of, um, tolerance for it, because if you look, for example, um, at uh, how reticent the NFL has been to acknowledge chronic traumatic encephalopathy, you know, head injuries, traumatic head injuries from repeated concussions and those sorts of things. And they don't want to pay out on that. They don't, um, you know, there's sort of a long history, I think, perhaps of, uh, of injuries occurring in sports that the league has want that the leagues have wanted to, um, to downplay. And I suspect that, you know, we're going to be paying the price on this COVID shots for a while, this is not going to this is not going to go away. Well, we know the military; they're already lightening the standards for military pilots because they've started to fail some right. of the very tests you talked about. And then you talked about encephalopathy for the football players and the concussion protocols, which are now part of everyday life if you have kids playing sports at any level. But one thing they haven't thrown into the equation, and to me, seems like it's shocking: they haven't included drug use, whether it's painkillers, which. Mm -hmm are prevalent amongst football yeah. players at the time, um, steroids, um, uh, growth hormone, uh, I mentioned painkillers. If they, if they participated in, in, um, what do they call it? You know, entertainment drugs, whatever the chemicals also cause encephalopathy. 
but they ignore sure. that and they call it only concussions. Mm-hmm. And now because of that, you have, you know, new helmets every year with new, I mean, it's, boy, it's just another messy thing. And they refuse to look at the chemical drug um, implications. Right. Refuse. No, that's an excellent point. Drew, you might want to weigh in on that. The issue of uh, of opiate use in, in professional athletes is oh, yeah. it, it, it's oh, the yeah. it's the quiet seek it's the quiet secret. And it happens not just in football oh. players and basketball players, it happens in dancers, meaning you know, ballet dancers, things you know are have I mean a long history of significant narcotic use related to chronic pain. Well, John mentioned the standard of care and, uh, you know, my hair bristles whenever I hear that word because uh, standard of care with opiates was give them as much as they want, as long as they want. Pain is whatever the patient says it is. Pain controls what the patient says it is. And when you see the patient before you check their pulse or blood pressure, check their pain scale. That was a level and that was the standard of care. It was insanity. And to that issue... Well, I was sitting here listening to you guys talk. I found myself sort of thinking, what has happened to us? And I, and I know, Kelly, you and I have spent a lot of time thinking what has happened to us as a profession. But I'm wondering what's hap- what John thinks about what has happened to us as a country. Because he has you know, framed this as government overreach, regulatory overreach, you know, sort of um, maybe employment overreach. What, what, what is, where is this coming from? I, I don't remember... It came. It seemed, it seemed to come out of nowhere all of a sudden. This, this, you know, you can't handle the truth, and we know what's good for you. And I, I guess that was going on. I mean, if you're in the military recruits in the Second World War, you lined up and got your vaccine. You weren't allowed to ask any questions. Um, so we've been through, I guess, things like this before. But it, it, this has a wholly different quality to it, where there are self righteous warriors all around in the government outside the government what what john what do you think has happened to us well i think you can't downplay social media i I saw a show once called social dilemma and and the guys didn't take sides in that they're talking about the algorithm algorithms and they said that they ping you if you are have interest in this they're going to force you further to that side because they know you're interested and they're going to keep and so every day you're looking at your cell phone or your computer and you're getting the information you want to hear. So it polarizes us, regardless of what side you're on on that. So I, I don't think you can discount that. I Maybe we've gotten too soft. We talk about that in the sports world a lot is, I mean, when I was growing up, I, when I went to college, I got a scholarship, but I, I had a summer job. I had to go work a summer job. I mean, right now, that would be, boy, that'd be abusive to have somebody go work for a summer job. And we got to feed these guys and we got to, so everything's easier and we got to make it easier our kids don't have to work hard and um i mean that's that's been a long generational process um where we don't demand much of our kids anymore so again it, it's deep-seated drill guess what i'm saying and, and i don't know if it's answerable day but we ratted on each other you think about this whole COVID thing if you weren't wearing your mask people would rat on you i mean where did that come from the old days, the rat. It was, you know, the rat. That, that, yeah, that, that, yeah, yeah, that came shirts. from. You were yeah, that's the brown, the brown shirts. shirts. That's what I was thinking. The brown shirts. Yeah, well, but you know, and John, I was talking about this at that conference in in um, up in Spokane. That I, there's been a palpable shift from the individual, mm. 
the things on which this country was mm. predicated, the individual, right. you know, self-reliance, you know, say, the, the, you know, responsibility, autonomy, those things to everything is the collective. Every, we have to, everything mm. is for the better good. Everything is for the community and they replace, there is no more focus on the individual. And it's been, I think it's truly because it's easier to manipulate people. If you just, you know, you, you are, you are now a crowd, you are now, you know, part of the population. There is no individuality. There is no uh, self-reliance. It's a very, very strange thing. And I agree with you also that without social media, none of this could have happened because social media becomes the cudgel to, to, to control people. I mean, it is social media that allows you to criticize and destroy somebody's career with the stroke of a, you know, with a keystroke. Uh, it's, it's social media that allows you to, you know, we had a physician up there that, uh, Michael Turner, who's going to be on the show with us, uh, in, in a week, who's, you know, career was destroyed by the by the medical board in the state of Washington. You know, just uh, they gun for people, and that only is enhanced by social media. So I think that that's uh, really a, a big player. Um, one, you know, assuming that COVID's John, that COVID is ultimately going to be over, uh, and that uh, we, we're hearing that COVID vaccine uptake is very very low. I think Dr. McCullough said yesterday, like it's in the single digit percentage, you know, people just aren't taking it. What's next? What is your focus going forward? Where do you want to take your platform? Well, medical freedom is really no different than just freedom. And, and I remember watching uh, shows with my dad sitting there on the couch, you only know, had to turn the TV clunker like this, you didn't have remote control and things like that. And <laughs> we would watch shows, watch a lot of uh, World War II movies. And we'd talk about, we would talk about how, uh, how how does that happen in life? How do how do how do people do this to people? And uh, sorry, the ring kind of threw me off my threw me off my game there. I forgot what the question was. You want to start? I was just I was just asking where you were going with your platform. You know, assu assuming that uh, that COVID that we eventually get out of the uh, the fog of war that is COVID uh, and and move and move on, you know, what, what's, whoever it is wants you. But yeah, so I, I guess I was saying, you know, what, you know, I agree with you. Medical freedom is, is freedom. And I think what we're seeing happening in this country, and I've said before, if you wondered what you would have done in Nazi Germany uh, and how you would have reacted, uh, just look at yourself in the mirror and see how you reacted during COVID, you know, uh, because that'll give you a, a a good insight into what you would have done uh, in, you know, in during the Second World War in Germany, um, because the the brown shirts and that sort of, you know, uh, turning families against one another, the divisiveness. Uh, I I'm sure I'm not alone in having lost friends, lifelong friends, um, over disagreements with regard to how this uh this thing was handled um so so where do you take you've got an important platform where where do you want to go with it well i'd like to try to get more athletes I mean, we for some reason I, I joked about this a long time ago is sometimes people would ask me questions about important subjects that i knew nothing about and they expect ex expertise out of you because you can bounce a basketball and i always thought that was a little <laughs> odd but but since they're asking, and since that's the way, the way it seems to be, I think the more athletes we could get on board, I mean, I, I wish more athletes would reach out to us at Voices for Medical Freedom and say, hey, John, what do you know? Well, you know, what can we talk about? How can I help? 
if we had a big, big uh, pool of athletes, I think we could stop this in its track and we could sure, certainly make inroads towards, uh, towards ending future attempts to obstruct our freedom, to be able to demand testing and drugs be injected into our bodies against our will. Um, and just for people to see that you have rights, if your company says you have to have this shot or you can't work, locking arms with the rest of your employees and saying, no, we're not doing it. Now try to run a business. It's as simple as that. If everybody in the NBA said, no, we're not doing it, forget whether you think they're good for you or not. That's this whole separate object. If everybody stood up in the NBA and locked arms said, I don't think you should have the right to force it on the other guy even then this would have never happened. It blew up right. with sports. It blew up with the NBA, my own Utah Jazz. Uh, that's when this all blew up. And then every NC2A, couple leagues in the NC2A, and then the Final Four just canceled. So it was a dominoes with no additional facts to tell you it was scary. They just kind of followed suit. So it could be reversed just as quickly. That's my focus. If we can get athletes, professionals, um, entertainers, anybody with a voice that wants to speak out and lock arms, I think that's the key. Because it's coming again, I think. No, well, I agree I'm, I'm with you. That was Kyrie, or that was Ky yeah. Let me say, say Drew, that ahead, was Kyrie ahead, Irving's. His his platform was: if we all just said no, we're not playing. No, we're not doing it. You can take a vaccine if you want to, but but stand up against the mandate or the coercion. Um, yeah. You know, the the fear that you know the the fear of reprisal. Um, and that was what he said. We you you can't you can't run a league if no one's willing to play um so you yeah, know and and they would have had power in numbers yes i agree I, I mean same same thing with lockdown same thing with masks same thing with everything that we uh, sort of went along with and and i think you know er, the early days were a little you know we you know memory is a is a interesting function i mean the early days were confusing i i remember thinking all right i'm gonna support my leaders they're making tough choices you know this kind of stuff it was the excesses and the persistent and then people who wanted that to go on was the extraordinary thing to me so i have found myself recently talking more about a, a it may not be the right term and it comes up in the context of uh standing up and saying no it requires you know insight courage you know a certain amount of um uh, you know de desire to fight for freedom uh, and and i think it we would kind of call that character, wouldn't we? Is have we lost our our character in some way? And can we restore our that, that's? I maybe character is not even the right word, but can we restore those things that we have often associated with character? Am I on to anything here, John? I sure think so. I mean, to, to weigh the risk, Kelly. We talked about early on. What are the risks of all this stuff? What's the risk right. of? defending a fellow employee who doesn't want to do the shot. I mean, there's a risk. Uh, if, right. if you defend, yeah. you know, if you go against your, your uh, standard of care, there's a risk you'll lose your job, your ability to feed your kids. But is that right. risk greater than you're putting the person you're injecting at risk of dying, having neurological right. disorders, having organ failure, having all these things that they know happened again from the Pfizer report? I don't know. I think that, that is character. And I think you need to be able to stand well, that. It's not easy. The parallel economy has empowered us to care for our health, well-being, as well as longevity. Likewise, for us pet parents who now have a place to go when it comes to keeping the family dogs, cats, even horses in the best shape possible. As a dog dad, I'm thrilled to be working with Pet Club 24-7. 
a company founded by two guys who lost dogs to serious conditions, including cancer. Pet Club 24-7 has an incredible array of products, including a line of supplements for humans, such as the Inforce Plus Corollius Versicolor and Inforce Corollius Versicolor with Reishi. My friend and colleague, Christina Ferrari, a cancer survivor herself, swears by it. When I was diagnosed, the doctor in the emergency room told me, you have two years to live. Oh boy. Along with the stem cell, I took these. I have been in remission for eight years now. For dogs, mush puppy treats are a fan favorite. Rex, you want to, oh boy. Oh, he came right. Oh, there he is. They are also made with the Coriolis Versicolor Mushroom, which supports their immune system, according to hundreds of clinical studies. Here's Kristen Ludlow, National Vice President. That strain does matter. We do have the most potent strain, and we also extract it in a proprietary way. And that's why we've been having such wonderful experiences with these products. Mush puppies are made here in the U.S. There are no fillers. It's non-addicting. Your dog can't accidentally overdose. Go to drdrew.com slash petclub247 for a discount off the list price. That is drdrew.com. P-E-T-C-L-U-B-247, Pet Club 247. I, yeah, and I've, I've said many times, and, and I will say it again, Drew, when you talk about character, I, I have quoted my, one of my favorite quotes is John Milton, uh, virtue untested is no virtue at all. Uh, if there's no risk to doing what it is you're standing up and doing, then that's not character, that, that's, that's not virtue. If there's, you're not putting something on the line. And so I would su- suggest that, yes, we have lost our character. Uh, it, it, there's a hefty price to be paid, whether you're a professional athlete or a physician or whoever it is standing up and saying, no, yeah. I am not willing to do and, that. And, and what you're met, talking and I'll about, tell you, what, yeah. And what you're talking about is you're being scapegoated. And, and that the reason people stick together and go along is they don't want to get scapegoated. And if you don't pick your head up, it's not going to get chopped off. You know, So this scapegoating mechanism, right. which to me is one of the most atrocious of human impulses, is uh, sort of where character falls flat. I'm sorry, Kelly, I interrupted you. Go ahead. No, so I, I th- so I think there's an issue of character. And, and I, as I said, I was so glad that I went to that conference despite the, the, the challenges I, mm-hmm. because I met and was able to talk to people and said, wow, these people have tremendous character. These are people who lost jobs, who, who uh, you know, had families to feed, lots of little kids, you know, and, and, you know, relatively new in their careers, way younger than I am, who said, I'm not doing it. I'm standing up um, and I will fight, you know, I was smart enough to go to medical school or to, to go to nursing school and I will figure it out, but I'm not doing this. And it was, I was felt like I was surrounded by people of great character, uh, which was, which was really helpful. Um, Something else I wanted to ask you about, um, John, was, and only because your, um, your co-host is in the NFL, what is your take on DeMar Hamlin and why, you know, he, he stayed very, very quiet after his sudden, I've always guessed quietly that he had 10 or 20 million reasons to stay quiet um, uh, offered to him um, to, to not speak. What's, what's your take on that? Well, the guy, died, I mean, my Hamlin died on the field essentially. Uh, and yeah. within minutes they had that what comocardia, you guys are doctors, comocardias or something. I mean, yeah, commotion cordis. Look into, especially in light of the fact of 1100 deaths, by other athletes, wouldn't you at least look into that? Uh, wouldn't you at least say, hey, we're studying all options, but we're, we're, they didn't. They jumped straight to, we've got the answer. 
They hadn't had any chance to even right. do even the research him yet. Um, thankfully, right. it wasn't an autopsy. But uh, you know, you, you mentioned back with the character stuff, and you think about where's the character? I, there's so much character out there, and you saw it at the at the conference we both attended. Drew, you're doing this every day out here. It's tremendous character out there by a lot of people. They don't get a chance to get a platform, or or their right. platform gets slammed. And and that I think is is you know part of that capture. People don't realize all these advertisements that are on TV. I mean, I watched a thing the other day. I think it was nine out of eleven ads were for drugs on TV. So if you're that TV station and ninety percent or there eighty five percent of your funding comes from pharmaceutical company, you're not going to bite that hand at Fiji. You you frankly can't. It's probably in a contract. So. Um, the character is isn't carrying over to the media very much, but there it is out there. There's no question that this, and I pointed this out when we talked at the conference. You know, to me, another big issue is exactly that: the intrusion of big pharma. Um, the United States is one of only two countries in the world that allows pharmaceutical advertising on television. The other one being New Zealand. Uh, and as you point out, you know, you cannot trust your media when your media is being entirely bought and paid for by big pharma, even, you know, it doesn't matter. And this is independent of which station you watch. I don't care if it's Fox News or MSNBC. Uh, Roger Ailes, a former head of Fox News, said that he would have loved to have rid Fox News from pharmaceutical advertising but it was 82% of their of their advertising dollars came from big pharma. Mm. Uh, so as you said, it, it, there, the financial uh, implications of trying to disarticulate that relationship, uh, it, it, unfortunately, is too overwhelming. Uh, and I think that that's also a significant problem. We talked Guys, about- Guys, um, right? we, we, we uh, my producer wife here is uh, suggests we take a couple calls here and those of you who are in the twitter spaces if you want to come up you just raise your hand uh the mic is in the lower left hand they you push the button lower left corner and if i bring you up then you unmute yourself the same way and there's caleb's cartoon up there and how to do hey, so Drew. uh john well, we're, hey josh hold on one second john i'll let you finish your comment then we'll have josh josh's question well, businesses have their own version of standard of care as well. I remember that from my old business classes in, in college and uh, fiduciary responsibility of the stock of the you know, CEO and the, the board of directors to make money for that for that organization. So theirs isn't an altruistic form either. Theirs is about making right. money, just like right. selling the drug or just right. like the standard of care. So businesses are the same. It's just a different term. Yeah. Josh, go ahead there. So uh, my question is, is, you know, you're talking about scapegoating. I want to know how much of mm. this is, and to use John Stockton's point, which is, if I don't want to get a vaccine, that's my business. But if I want to tell other people to not get a vaccine, that can also be problematic. And am I scapegoating the medical profession or am I scapegoating the government? I mean, scapegoating goes everywhere that it can go. It's going to, it's going to touch everything. So uh, you're, you're the question right. is, is I, the, yeah. the one thing, you're, the, the one thing I would say is that you have to be sort of specific about what we're talking about and, and scapegoating is ultimately a desire to kill. <laughs> that's ultimately what it is. Uh, that that's where it originates, uh, in, in elevating, uh, a leader and then killing that leader. Uh, and again, the French revolution was the ultimate expression of that kind of scapegoating. 
there are more obviously sort of subtle kinds of scapegoating mechanisms out there that don't involve murderous rage. But once there is murderous rage, uh, it, it goes to try to destroy. And that's why the whole cancellation phenomenon has been so, mm-hmm. so, diff- so dangerous. It has harmed people. It's ruined their ability to make a living. And yes, it, 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 you could say that uh, people do some scapegoating of, you know, if they gather together and point at something else that's causing their problems, that, that, that has a scapegoating quality to it. Or it's just reality. <laughs> or it's just they're describing what's really happening. Can I add to that, Drew? John? Yeah, yeah. Your, your hairdresser didn't mandate shots. Your hairdresser didn't apply shots. Your hairdresser didn't have the standard of care. I mean, they've earned our distrust with their with their behavior, with their mandates. So, right. no, I don't think I don't think it's an artificial scapegoating. Um, they've earned it, and now it's just trying to find with all the quality people with character, trying to find the right ones that are still in the field. That uh, rather than abandoning the system, find the right government officials that are doing it right and the right medical people who are doing it right and let's start elevating them or, or giving them a chance to be heard well there there really is a, a you know a medical freedom movement out there that i keep running around people that are trying to create systems mm-hmm. to help deliver medicine and reestablish the patient doctor relationship and reestablish trust in the system it, it's coming it there there are like you said courageous people out there independent-minded people i i i you know, I worry that somebody's going to get in the way of that. Uh, you know what I mean? Because there's again, there's such an aggressive impulse on on one side of the equation here. Christina, I've uh, asked you on to come on up here, so go ahead, Joe. You just unmute yourself. There you are. What's up? Hi! Wow, this is exciting. Okay, um, I have uh, a four year old who is due for preschool kindergarten shots soon, and I am trying to figure out how to decide if he should even get his regular vaccines or if I should do an alternate schedule or or what I should do. How can I find information to help me make those decisions? What, what is your, do you, I, that's, that's the really the patient doctor unit that should be doing that. Is your doctor not available to discuss this? I don't know if I can trust him anymore or not. That's the other but, thing. Yeah. No. Well, that, well and, and uh, let me I just understand, say, before, Christina, before everybody jumps on him, hold on. I would give him a chance. <laughs> I would just say give him a chance or her a chance, whoever it is. But go ahead, Kelly. Go okay. ahead. Well, what I was going to say is I understand exactly. I don't have children, but I understand the position you're in, Christina, because I agree. I think most pediatricians, um, because 80% of all physicians are, are employees, uh, either of a large medical group or of a hospital system or of an insurance company, um, they are following a protocol. And right now the pediatric schedule is very clear. So I think to Drew's point, yes, I think you should ask your physician, your pediatrician, what are my options? What are my options if I choose not to follow the pediatric schedule? You know, and see what your physician's answer is. If their answer is, you know, hair on fire, oh my God, why in the world would you not, you know, buy into this, then maybe it's time yeah. to, to source a different physician um, because they should be willing. Informed consent, Christina, means giving you both ends of the spectrum. Here's what would happen if you did right. nothing. And here's what li- is likely or potentially could happen if you follow the schedule. True informed consent. And your average physician doesn't know how to give informed consent any longer, but they need to be giving or you doesn't have all time. of the option. Well, you know what? 
bad on them then. So I would ask the question, but yeah. you deserve full informed consent, which means to understand what would happen if you made a different choice other than what's being recommended. Well, I'll chime in there too. That, that, that's not the end of it there. It's the schools. The schools um, oh, yeah. have suddenly mm -hmm. felt like judge and jury in this as well. They, you, you should be required uh, a philosophical objection, a medical uh, exemption, I guess, not ex exception, mm -hmm. exemption, or a um, religious. And mm -hmm. nobody should ever be able to judge a religious fervor period. So that should be a no-brainer. If, if you have questions about it and you want to even think about it for a year, you should be able to employ any one of those exemptions and, and get it passed. If not, then the exemptions aren't worth it. And they, it's, a, it's a, again, it's back to being a mandate. I agree. This I agree. And one of the problems, team. John, as you know, is, you know, get, getting um, when these um, shots get on the childhood schedule, um, you know, when the CDC adds it to the childhood schedule, your average school system is going to end up using that schedule to guide them and say, well, if it's on the childhood schedule for the CDC, um, then then that's what we're going to follow, even though it's not a, you know, the CDC is not a regulatory body, they are an advisory body, but let's face it, the school systems, Drew, you know it as well as I do, the school system uses that childhood vaccine schedule to, to make their decisions. What? Kelly, they don't mandate anything. How dare you? They don't <laughs> mandate. The CDC doesn't mandate anything. That's the part that the, yeah. the, the operational part of this is the insidious part. So uh, we have somebody up here. Let me try to get the name. It's uh, Shizab. <laughs> About break, outbreak out. <laughs> uh, team Bonk. You should be able to speak now if you unmute yourself. There you are. Uh, hey, Dr. Drew, I just thought, um, John, John Stockton, I heard you had a really low resting heartbeat, and I was wondering if that piqued your interest in this myocarditis of, uh, of, of the COVID stuff. I'm not at sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I did have a low resting heart, heart rate my whole career i i always like to think it's because i was in good shape and uh was was yeah. ready to handle the loads i mean that was one of the things i focused on but uh, uh this this the whole COVID thing didn't exaggerate that thinking nor did my low resting heart rate exaggerate the the COVID uh experience well i, I will tell you a personal story i had uh when i i got alpha or delta in you know in that fall christmas period uh was it 2021, that, that window? And um, it, I, Dr. McCullough said something yesterday about COVID not causing uh, myocarditis, the illness not causing myocarditis. Right. And, and I, I'm not quite sure what he meant by that because when, when I had COVID, uh, I had a fever of 102, my heart rate was 60. And I, I remember walking upstairs with a fever of 102 with my heart rate in 60, and I just I just thought, oh, this this is infecting my heart. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. This is having some really significant effect on whether it's just the conduction system or whatever. It's affecting the heart for sure. That's not that 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 fever heart rate dis dissociation is not normal. And there are viral illnesses that do that. I mean, there there's classic illnesses that do that. Let's let's face it, that don't cause myocarditis, by the way. So. 
um, it, it affects the heart. Let's let's be clear. The, the concern, and again, based on that circulation article that came out in July, I just found it a couple of weeks ago, um, is that the long-term effects of the vaccine seem to be more persistent now. That's the data that's starting to come out, and I, I have a feeling that one of the one of the you know pertinent to the topic we're talking about about schools mandating vaccines. I think schools are going to get sued. If kids have long-term consequences from having manned or required to take a vaccine to go to school, whether it's college or whatever, whoever did it, uh, it you know, it was only one bioethicist, Aaron Cariotti, who stood up and said, we don't have the data. You can't do this. You don't have the bioethical, bioethical standing to mandate this. And he was right. Uh, and now he is involved in a lawsuit against the federal government in Biden mm -hmm. versus Missouri and winning dramatically. So uh, keep an eye on all of that. That's, that's how this all gets played out. Guys, the clock is running out on us. Uh, John, thank you for joining us. Kelly, any last comments? No, just th thank you again, John, for taking the time to do this. Um, it, it was such a pleasure to meet you in Spokane, and I thought your comments up there and again here today were spot on. Uh, I agree with you. Medical freedom is just one small snippet of our overall freedom. And my concern for, about COVID is absolutely zero. My concern about losing my civil liberties is very high. Uh, and I, I think that's what you're fighting for as well. So I appreciate you using your platform and for being here today. Um, and you know, employing the athletes, I think that's a brilliant. I think that's a brilliant way to go at this. If you can corral uh, the support of multiple uh, professional athletes, I think it would be spectacular. Agreed. Well, Drew, I've enjoyed your show. I've watched it a bunch, so thank you for having me on, Kelly. I, I, before I let you go, I thought your presentation was outstanding. It was funny. It was factual. It was. Perfect. So uh, if somebody's looking for a speaker, Ooh, I want to hear that. Uh, Dr. Kelly, <laughs> yeah. special. Kelly's the best. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank that you. Like thank you for that. Plan. Hmm. It, it was fun. I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You thank you, John. The, uh, That's RFK. what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. 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 You need to come to the RFK so we'll thing. Hold, and go to... We're not in charge of that, but I'll, 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 once, once I've got some uh, attention, <laughs> All some right. people, we'll see what we can do. Well, thanks for the plug. Uh, but John, thanks so much. You bet. DrDrew.com slash Stockton to hear the podcast. And uh, we will let you go, John and Kelly, for you and I. Uh, I'm sure Caleb's going to throw We're up an upcoming next, schedule here for us. Next Wednesday. Tuesday, I think we have my Wednesday. Uh, yeah. Michael Turner is uh, here next Wednesday. Correct. Yeah. There we go. And uh, Scott, Scott Adams on Tuesday and Carrie Lake on uh, Thursday. And then Baby, Nation Baby. There's the baby picture. <laughs> So they, they, our whole our whole system grinds to a halt when a baby is born because of Mr. Caleb Nation. Somebody uh, saw the <laughs> ultrasound and asked me if I was pregnant. <laughs> no, oh yeah, yeah. I just I you threw up this warning. Fertility age. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> I, I throw this up to warn people that like you know if all of a sudden the baby decides to come early. We're not bumping Carrie Lake or Scott Adams or Michael Turn. It's like suddenly right, baby right. just decided and baby gets top priority. So if it gets, and there we, you we go. move those oh, shoes, shows, that's why. <laughs> there you go. So funny. All right. All right. Well, everyone have a nice weekend. We got to rush to the airport. That's why I had to watch the clock a little bit. I would have taken a couple right. more calls with you guys, but we are, we are on our. Oh, I thought we're leaving at five. You're leaving at six? No, no. Oh, no. Oh, uh -oh. <laughs> you're not. <laughs> Time for somebody to you're check, leaving at six. check we're not, the I'm not. You're not making your flight. You better check that. But I'll take some more calls if... Uh, yeah. If... Uh,
I don't know how we're going to get there. I know, I'll be fine. You're you're going to be in trouble. But... All right. Well, I I I'm jumping to the next. I'll let next you go, thing. Kelly. Okay. Oh, all right. <laughs> soon. Safe travels. All right. Thank you so much. And I guess I'm going to go on. Uh, can I get on the um, stream? Here we are. I'll get back on the stream. You have to ask me again, uh, Caleb, to be a co-host, if you don't mind. Oh, there we go. And I will go back to the calls if you want. I'll get you. Uh, I'll get you. A, go in. I also. I'll just bring up the first caller that's here, and while I get you loaded back in. Okay, that's the the seventy nine P. You got invited so. to the Steve Kirsch fundraiser. Yeah, we're going to go to a fundraiser for RFK Junior. With uh, that, uh, a old friend of this show, Steve Kirsch, is putting on after the event on October twenty eighth at the San Jose Convention Center. I'm not sure which or where it is. It's a convention Center. Uh, he's busy getting me reconnected to oh, the okay. Twitter spaces. But he will put up the uh, poster for you. And I was just thinking, you know, I was thinking, I got to talk to them. Uh, because it really would be interesting to get a few um, other speakers in there that, that we might want to hear from. It'd be very interesting. Uh, so in any event, um, staying tight here, uh, the 79 Pro, go ahead. Seventy nine Pro. You have to unmute yourself, uh, Seventy Nine Pro. Caleb, that's not true. He just texted me and asked me to promote it. Oh, okay, okay, good. <laughs> Let's make a big deal. I saw it. there was there was some report about some reporter was leaking details about it a few days ago, but now I guess it's public. So I was worried I that we were going to be part of the leak. I think that was to, I think that was to add a little intrigue to the whole thing. Uh, okay, I'm going to have to try. Am I yet a uh, co-host here? No, I'm not. 79P, you are up as a speaker. You just go to the left-hand corner. You unmute your mic, and you can. There you are. Now go ahead. Yeah, how, how you doing? Um, can you hear me? Hello. I do. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry, go right sorry ahead. about that. My my vote was okay. So thanks for having me on. I have a question. I am a vax injured uh, patient here for a couple years from the COVID nineteen vaccine, mm-hmm. and my um, question is in regards to getting a tetanus shot because it's been 10 years since I've gotten Mm -hmm. one. And I've heard that once Mm -hmm. you become vaccine injured, you could um, be more susceptible to getting injured again, regardless of what the vaccine is. And I have talked to my doctor about that, but yeah. What do you say? Or she say, well, they, well, they basically just said, well, you know, you're due for a shot. So no real feedback. And I yeah, just, the you know, the shot is such a, it's so, so vastly different from the COVID vaccine. I, I don't, I can't even imagine a mechanism where you would get worse. Uh, and, and so I, I, I'd say just, you know, if you were my patient, I'd say, look, are you comfortable getting it? You, you know, trust your instincts. I don't see how it could possibly make things worse. It's so vastly different from the, the whole, whole function of what's going on in long vaccine that uh i wouldn't worry about it so much but by the same token you could always wait until you get a laceration and then take the vaccine at that time when it's really worth the risk you know what i'm saying does that make sense yeah yeah, definitely the the only thing that i was told by someone else but i did i do appreciate your feedback is because of Mm -hmm. my injury my immune system is hyperactive and you know could react to any type of it's not that's 
Yeah, but it's it's not it, the mutant, it's not that simple because that's like saying, oh, you know, next time I get a sinus infection, what, I'm, my long COVID is going to get worse? No, not necessarily. Or next time I get a dental, you know, I get a caries that gets inflamed, that's going to make my no, no, it doesn't really work. This is a much more much more narrow issue in terms of what's going on in the long COVID syndrome. Um, but what is it, how is it manifesting for you? Well, um, my injury had to do with, uh, you know, it, it's a pretty bad digestive issues, uh, inflamed digestive tract. Um, I, I definitely got the pots. I had some neurological issues, muscle twitching, things like that. Um, and just, you know, just brain fog, lost 20 pounds, still haven't gotten it back. Um, hmm. so yeah, it's been a, have a you long... tried, have you, have you tried any of the ideas, the treatments that people are thinking about? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen some, like I've, uh, what is it? Uh, Dr. Pierre Corey's I've been a patient of his, um, clinic. I've, um, done some of the, you know, natural path uh remedies like maybe going on the gaps protocol for my digestive issues and just you know intermittent fasting a lot of the less uh you know they're doing different medical stuff yeah nutrition well, i, I will just say flu flu fluvoxamine worked like crazy for my long covid i've got a friend we interviewed on this show who has severe long COVID. ritalin has helped for him uh, Dr. Patterson and Dr. Yogender are trying all kinds of things. They're using actually uh, statins and things with good results. Uh, so there's all kinds of ideas out there about what to do. I, I would not uh, give up. You you should be able to find something that uh, is helpful. Uh, and and don't I mean you're fighting pharmaco you know you're fighting a, a, a an illness and you can't. You kind of often need pharmacology to do that. That is the thing that, that people don't quite get. You know, you're fighting a biology. You're trying to push back a biology that is it's not already already not natural. Uh, brain B. Brain B. Hello. Hey there. Go ahead. Brain. Hi. How are you? Good. Can you hear? Can you hear me? I do. Great. Uh, I dropped by because I noticed the title of this uh, space here, Athletes Dropping Suddenly, uh, John Stockton. And um, that's, that's, his, that's his contention, yes. Well, it's not only his contention, but there's a lot of other people on the, in AV land that contend the same thing. Most notably, um, Peter mm -hmm. McCullough, Edward Dowd. Uh, mm -hmm. Epic Times, uh, Pierre Corey, and, and I, mean, I just find it hard to believe that supposedly intelligent people can't see through this. Um, through see through, what is this? The source of these, of these thousands of athletes dying. It's an anonymous blog called Good Sciencing. Okay. Um, basically, they list Anybody who's ever performed any sport or activity at any time in their life as an athlete. So they'll include 60-year-olds, 70-year-olds, 80-year-olds who haven't performed uh, competitively for decades. And uh, it's, it's, it's amazing to me that people are falling for this. So where is Ed Dowd getting his data from? Do you know? When he said, well, 
he's, he's got two different sets of data, right? He, he, he talks about the increased mortality, which I don't bother with right. because, because I, don't, I haven't looked into that. But he also goes okay. on to claim about athlete deaths. And one of his favorite catchphrases is, it used to be 29 a year, and now it's 29 a month. I'm, have you heard that? Mm-hmm. I blew, um, I, I've heard that said. I don't remember if it was from here or not. Yep. And, and his source for the athletes is good sciencing. Oh, that's interesting. So I thought he was getting his data from actuarial uh, professionals. No, the, that's the, what he told the, me. The, there are no actuarial professionals that I'm aware of that keep track of athletes' deaths. Oh, there must be. They've got to be insured up the wazoo. Well, uh, here's what I know. I know Ed Dowd's book cites the Good Sciencing uh, webpage. It's a blog, really. Interesting. For his interest, for his for his information, Peter McCullough is, is who. Who does the good sciencing? Who is that that does that webpage? It, it's anonymously run. Mm. They claim to be a bunch of, they claim to be a, a team of investigators, journalists, news editors, mm. and truth seekers. Mm. And if you take a close look at it, and I've written threads on this stuff, you can go through my timeline and check out some of my threads or even any of my replies. I. <laughs> I'm a little obsessive about this, and I focus almost exclusively on this piece of garbage data. And how did you get? How did you get into this? How did I get into this? When they I'm, first, I'm when Good Sciencing you. first launched, when Good Sciencing first launched in November 2021, I, I just started taking a look. At, it, it seemed incredible to me, right? It seemed outlandish to mm. me that so many of these that, that, that so died. many people were. Yeah. Right. Right. And once you start, and once yeah. I started looking into some of their claims, some of their listings, they they, they list they, what they do is they scrape websites across the globe looking for dead people, mm. and if they can link them to some sort of sport or activity, for instance, a, a, mm. an engineer who had a heart attack at a gym, he's considered an athlete. Mm. An, an advertising mm. executive who had a who had an incident at a gym, that's another athlete. A girl who died in a pool from an epileptic seizure is considered an, a swimmer at Good Sciencing. They're very clever. They, they even have 100, more than 100 now, unnamed people who they call athletes who are killed by vaccines, including a, a 57-year-old guy who ha- also happened to die in a swimming pool. He's a swimmer, although they have no idea mm. who he even is. Um, they, it's, it's, so, okay. So where, where would you go to get decent data? Where do you go? Uh, all I, I spend my lunch hours Googling their entries and looking for the causes of death that get announced. No, 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 no. I mean, where can we get data you would rely on? Where we could get, well, there's NCC, sir. They've NCC been, they've been tracking athlete deaths. They've been yes, they've been oh. tracking athlete deaths in the United States since 1982, and they're on Twitter. Mm-hmm. But it's easy to take a close look at at the good sciencing entries, and again, you can go through my timeline, go through my replies, and you can see all the examples I provide. And I even went so far as to download the entire good sciencing list for 2022. 
and I plucked out all of the people that shouldn't be on that list, and I ended up with uh, about as many cardiac deaths in young athletes as has historically been recorded. Which is, by what's what's the number? The number I came up with for the number I came up with for 2022 is 44. Now that's that's actually going to be overcounting. Because I left in all unknowns and unreported and probably some other ones that shouldn't be in there. But I wanted to err mm-hmm. on the side of caution. So my number was 44. As a baseline, I used the 2020 Peterson study, which looked at athlete deaths, strictly looking at uh, sudden cardiac athlete deaths from 2014 to 2018. They found 173 mm-hmm. over those four years. From 17 to, tw- to when? To 20? 14 to 18. Say it again, from when to when? 14. 14 to 18. So all pre-COVID era stuff. And it was released, okay. I believe the study was uh, published first in uh, late 2020. Good sciencing, on mm-hmm. the other hand, just, just scrapes websites looking for people they can add to their list. Uh, mm-hmm. if, if, if they're, if they're a gym, if they go to a gym, they're a gymnast. If they die in a pool, no, I understand you, you've, you've, you've made your swimmer. point. I get your point. I'm tr- I'm trying to get some decent data here. I, I, yeah. You're a weightlifter. Uh, do, do you, do you have any yeah, clues or indications about who started or is running the site? I think finding out who he runs the site is pretty key to this. I've been, I, I actually I been digging no about it while what? you've been talking. There, there is actually yeah. one person on, uh, on, on Twitter, and I found them months and months and months ago, and I, I, I have them bookmarked somewhere, but I don't remember their, their username. And they said something to the effect that led me to believe that they were involved with the site, something like contact us or with info or something along those lines. But off the top of my head, I forget who they were. So we, you know, we need. I, I'm seeing here the National Center for Catastrophic Sports Injury Research uh, putting the number that they had at where is it? Uh, 21 athletes dying in 20 to 21. It'd be really interesting to know what the data is now. So 20, 20 to 21, the, the number 20 to 21, the number is 21. You have any idea what it is now? Their 2022 all sport report should be out shortly. I just contacted them yeah. um, not too long ago, and they said it would be out. Is that the same group? October. I'm sorry? Is that the same group? Is that the same group, National Center for Catastrophic Sports Injury? Yeah. Yes. Different group. Yeah. Same group. All right. Well, thank you. I'll keep an eye on all that. Uh, I did not, never heard of, what do you call it? Good science? What do you, good sciencing? Good sciencing. Yeah, I mean, if you, good, if, good if you read it, it reads like it's written by a bunch of ninth graders. And it, <laughs> if you look at it with a critical eye, it's, it, it starts falling yeah. apart very quickly. Interesting. But, peop, but people uh, seem to just follow, read the headlines and follow the headlines. And yeah, don't believe thought. everything you read. Yeah, I mean, yeah, look. And, yeah. and let's, say, let's, say, let's say there are some excess deaths. Let's just, let's just, just pause it. Is it COVID? Is it COVID vaccine plus vaccine? Is it just the vaccine? Who the hell? How do you sort all that out? That's the thing I've been saying all along. Yeah, but it seems like it's people are really active, like you know, fighter pilots and you know, and athletes and there, there people with cons- high stress jobs. You know, comics. Cons- well, she didn't die. She <laughs> yeah, thoughts. but Bob did. 
Bob hit his head as as did Heather, right? And so it's not it's not a cardiac. But they had a because of their because of the myocarditis, right, or the POTS POTS syndrome. Yeah. All right, my friend. But still, it just seems like it's people that are not like sitting on their couch all day. You know. Well, that's just the way hearts are. That's the way cardiac. You know, minor cardiac and a young and the younger males. You know, minor cardiac pathology can become major cardiac pathology if you're not careful. If you're you're stressing, even that's why. By the way, we always tell you that people die overnight because there's a surge of adrenaline at night too that can bring out these weaknesses and and cause a rhythm disturbance. What's that, Caleb? Yes, yeah. I just, I. It's so odd to me whenever I can't find like the source of who's writing these these articles, and it almost makes me think that a lot of it, like what he was saying, is being scraped just to get all of these articles to the into the Google search results. They're trying to make money in that way mm. somehow. But it's also, mm. I would hope to think that this isn't the sole source of information for these reports. Like I, he was saying that Ed Dowd's, this was a primary source for Ed Dowd, but Ed Dowd was showing us all of the charts and the data. So I, I he's he showed us all of that stuff on here. So it's not like he's just only relying on goodsciencing.com. I've never even heard of this site and we've had hundreds of guests on right. the show. None of them have ever referred right. to this. I, have not, I, I thought he said he was getting it from actuarial data. Uh, right, that's what he said. Team who I, was, you know, yeah. right. That's what Ed I said. Whatever, I, you know, it's it's all. This is the well, process. We're gonna have Ed back, and we'll ask him. All right. This is the process. This is the back and forth. I, mean, I love him. Welcome to come up and, and okay. Raise issues. Emily Bookad. What? Oh, Emily Bookad. Okay. Uh, all right. Thank you for <laughs> calls, everybody. We have to run now. We do have to get going. Uh, well, I've got to tear down all this equipment, yes, and you have to correct. do an ad for V Shred. Okay, so. All right. Uh, thank you all for being here. Thank you to John Stockton. Thank you to Kelly Victory. Uh, Scott Adams in here next Tuesday should be very interesting. Uh, he's been, he's been, <laughs> he used to make, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to present him with this fact. He, I used to listen to him because he made me feel better. He made me understand what was Trump up to. He helped me calm down about some of his shenanigans. Now Scott's making me upset again. I mean, we're <laughs> talking about why, why and what he's doing. He's, These he, are dark, dark times, Drew. It appears to be. But all right, listen, thank you so much for being here. Uh, we will see you on Tuesday at three o'clock. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. As a reminder, the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care, diagnosis, or treatment. This show is intended for educational and informational purposes only. I am a licensed physician, but I am not a replacement for your personal doctor and I am not practicing medicine here. Always remember that our understanding of medicine and science is constantly evolving. Though my opinion is based on the information that is available to me today, some of the contents of this show could be outdated in the future. Be sure to check with trusted resources in case any of the information has been updated since this was published. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me, call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help. Hold up. 